This is the Son of Gold, and you're listening to the Secret Lair Drive-In. <laughs> Welcome to the Secret Lair Drive-In with your hosts, D-Dub and Stratosphere. The Secret Lair Drive-In is dedicated to bringing you the finest in B-movie entertainment news and reviews. And now, on with the show. You shall pay, Black Prince. I curse you with my name. You shall be... Blackula. Blackula. The Black Avenger. Rising from his tomb to fill the night with horror. Blackula. Dracula's soul brother. Deadlier even than he. You know, he is a strange dude. You're a nut that ran in front of my cab. You're the only imbecile on this street. Boy. Blackula. <laughs> Look at me, you'll find, I mean, you've got to be around here somewhere. I mean, now listen, you, wait, you take your hands off of me, I don't know you. He thirsts for your blood. He hungers for your soul. Warm young bodies will feed his hunger. Hot, fresh blood will quench his awful thirst. Thank you. I'm Bloody Mary. Are you, um, into the occult? No! How about the, uh, heavy stuff? What do you think of vampires? Vampires? I think they're possibly the most fascinating ball. <laughs> More horrifying than Dracula. The Black Avenger. Blackula. From American International Pictures. Lights out. And now the movies, folks. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of The Secret Lair Drive-In. And of all the episodes we've done, this is the most recent. <laughs> I am your and yet, ho- and yet some will dispute that. <laughs> I am your your host, your fearless leader, Carl Nelson. And across the table is my co-host and faithful acolyte, Ted Rampion. Actually, this is Deed Up in Stratosphere. How y'all doing today, folks? Hi, kids. 
Well, here we are. Another day, another cinematic gem. But before we get into that, how about we toss out that contact information? Well, no, I like it. Let's keep it. Oh, okay. And that information is secretlayerpodcast at gmail.com. That's right, folks. You want to suggest a movie? You want to go from there? Here. That's your place to do it. We are highly suggestible. Well, suggestible is better than being suggestive. Oh, my. I like what you did there. This kind of came to me off the top of my head. Um, So, anyway. I'm leaving that one alone. Anyway. um, What is our gem this time around? All right. Well, you know what? We we say gem sarcastically, but um, this this one surprised me quite a bit. Uh, This is a 1972 American International Pictures uh, Blackula. Now, this is uh, part of the what it was known as the black exploitation genre. Uh, you had uh, Shaft, uh, Superfly, thing? Superfly, uh, Black Bell Jones, su- Sweet 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 Sweetback's Badass Song. Hey, I actually saw that one. It's again. That's the funny thing. You know, there were some. There were some. A lot of crappy movies in this genre but if you look at the like the big movies they were big for a reason they're actually not half bad and uh i'm gonna lump lump this one in that category one of those better than it had any right to be type things absolutely than you would have thought so anyway i think the best place to start with this would be the the plot. plot in 1780 prince mamawalda played by william marshall Gotta say, brilliantly. Absolutely. Brought so much to the and role. As we go on, there's a few things I like to. Oh, ask. absolutely, absolutely. Um, the ruler of the Abani African nation seeks the help of Count Dracula in suppressing the slave trade. Dracula refuses to help and transforms Mama Walde into a vampire. Yeah, and the way he did it was particularly cruel, or the, the whole sequence there. Because, okay, he bites him, puts him in the casket, leaves his bride basically outside the casket to die to, of yeah, old to, age. Yeah, or starvation. Well, either or, yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't even think about that part, but yeah, oh, that, pretty that, cold-blooded. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but he, he, he uh, curses him and names him Blackula. And this is all done with a straight face. I know I know a lot of listeners who are not familiar with it. You know, can't take something like this seriously. But, All um, right. but along those lines, I don't believe in this movie. It isn't until the sequel he ever refers to himself as Blackula. You might be right on that. I'd I'd have to give it another viewing, which I wouldn't have a problem with. I'm gonna be honest with you. Um, but. I, I know in yeah. in the sequel, which we were originally going to do um, a double feature and uh, time constraints, uh, we're going to save it for another day. Mm-hmm. But I, I would like like to actually get into that at some point. Uh, so he yeah he imprisons them in in a sealed coffin with his uh, his his wife his it's queen his wife. okay yeah and she's left out there to starve or die of old age whichever comes first but yeah and and it's in a uh, like a sealed room on top of that yep so 
Yeah, it's it's pretty nasty if you think about it. Um, so yeah, she's in prison, dies in captivity. Now, in 1972, almost 200 years later, the coffin has been purchased as part of an estate by two interior decorators, Bobby McCoy and Billy Schaefer, and shipped to Los Angeles. Now, out of this entire movie, I would have to say that these two are probably the worst stereotypes out of the whole movie. And yet I found them funny as hell. They were. (laughs) They were. But again, you know, when you do a movie like this, there's a very real danger of slipping too hard into stereotypes. Well, this whole thing is slipping into a racial stereotype is is what the thing you're kind of dancing around. Yeah. And even though it wasn't even, again, the genre of the film is what they call black exploitation. At the time, it wasn't even considered a racial stereotype because the black exploitation genre, for about a two or three year period, sold like gangbusters at the blocks at the at the box office. I mean, films like Shaft and and this movie actually was really was a box office hit. And not only that, but it won one of the first um, I want to say Saturn Awards. It was a is for best horror movies. I think he won. Oh yeah, I think he won the first horror movie award in for that one and i want to say it was a saturn i'm not positive that could be i read a quote from uh some organization called the the count dracula society where they actually said blackula is one of the the scariest uh dracula movies ever made so th- this movie has as you would refer to it on on another show some cachet mm-hmm. but the thing of it is and this is what we're the point we're trying to make here is that you really have to kind of look at it. it's a product of its time. There, there's some stereotypes that they kind of, they kind of come up to the edge. But even the even the characters that, as far as racial stereotypes, they kind of go right up to the edge of it, but then then back off just enough to make it feel like a three-dimensional character. But I will agree that the the gay stereotypes that are Invoked by these two interior decorators, I mean, they are—they're so campy, gay. They're so over the top. They're over the top, but they're, as I said, funny as hell. I'm—I actually, this, but okay. Now consider this. Here's the thing: is that I think the the producers did that deliberately because it almost puts you at ease. It almost seems like it's a comedy at that point. I mean, the, the, yeah. yeah, the the opening sequence was horrifying. No, no arguments there. But then you've got these these two gay guys, and and they're never said that they're gay, but the way they're acting, obviously. And all of a sudden, it feels like, oh, you're you're pulled into this uh, comedy. Oh, that's how this movie's going to be. And then when it sets up for horrifying sequences later, you've been tricked. You you really let your guard down huh. with with those sequences. And I don't know if it was deliberate. Again, this is, you know, four, 45 years ago or something like that. So, um, but I, if it, if it was deliberate, I think it's brilliant the way they did that because I was really put off guard by that that particular sequence with the interior decorators. And okay. when, it, when it came to the actual intense sequences later, it's like, damn, dude, this is, this is some stuff. So, um, 
Bobby and Billy open the coffin and become Prince Mamawade's first victims. Now, we should say, uh, I believe Bobby is a white guy, Billy is a black guy. I think you got or, him backwards. Do I have him backwards? I, I I'm not 100% sure. But yeah, it's, it is it is a white and a, and a black guy. The the white guy pretty much uh, is forgotten at that point, but they the black guy does actually become a vampire later, am I correct? Uh, he does. And actually, the other one does as well, but that's a scene with another character later on. Okay, well, we'll we'll get to that. I I don't recall that part. It, it didn't really didn't really stand out to me. Um, at the funeral home where Bobby McCoy's Bobby Bobby McCoy's body is laid, Mama Walde spies on mourning friends Tina Williams, her sister Michelle, and Michelle's boyfriend Dr. Gordon Thomas, who is not the Gordon from Sesame Street, because I I was stupid enough to think that. <laughs> And I don't know, somehow it doesn't work. Dr. Gordon Thompson doesn't work. No, not really. Uh, Dr. Gordon Thomas is a pathologist for the LAPD. Mamawaldi believes that Tina is the reincarnation of his deceased wife, Luva, possibly because she's played by the same actress. Very much so. She just doesn't have the pierced nose. Yeah, but um, what played very well uh, oh, uh, yes. in bo- yeah. both roles. Oh, absolutely. Um, and that's something we're going we're gonna to keep coming back to is, you know, what this is a good example of, OK, what do the actors do with the material? It's one thing to I mean, this is a B movie, even though it, it was actually a headliner. So mm-hmm. not technically a B movie, but it it, it tends to be looked upon. As, well, OK, just to go off on what you're saying here, William Marshall originally. It wasn't going to be Mama Walde. Right. The character was going to be known, I believe, as Andrew Jones or something like that. Okay. William Marshall, I mean, he worked with the writers and the producers and said, you know what? We need to instill a certain amount of dignity into this character. Yeah. That's how they came up with the African prince. He was there for the, to help try to get assistance in stopping the slave trade. And if you'll notice, all during this, um, unlike some of the other ones we've seen, whenever William Marshall is out, oh, excuse me, whenever he's out with anyone, he carries a certain air of, um, I don't know if the word is, he has a certain regalness to him. Oh, absolutely. And, a very, and very much digni- dignified. Well, I, what I was perceiving it as was it was sort of a very interesting and very clever riff on Bela Lugosi's Dracula. But, you know, Bela Lugosi ha- also had that... Aristocratic? That, that, uh, thank you. That's the word I think you were trying to come up yeah. with. That that regalness, that aristocracy, that, you know, I am I'm old school, classy all the way, which is both comforting and off-putting depending on the context. Sure. Now, it makes sense that, you know, the only way that they could pull that off with it, with him being black is to make him an African prince. Mm-hmm. And I think he, he actually takes what Bela Lugosi does and, and kind of cranks it up to the next level. I because, can see that, yeah. Because he really, 
Well, and the thing of it is, now we see in that opening sequence that, you know, Dracula's a bastard. I mean... You think? <laughs> oh, oh, my God. I was just like, dude, really? Wow, okay. This is the type of movie we're watching. But I very much get the sense that uh, Mama Waldi is fighting what he is. I mean, he, he, he seems... Unlike, say, Bela Lugosi, who, who totally embraces what he is, Mama Walde very much feels like, I wish I weren't what I am, but I am. He doesn't attack everybody randomly. Um, he usually... Uh, most sequences I saw where he was attacking someone, he, he did it, but it, it was like, okay, I don't like succumbing to this this thing that I am, but I have to survive. Yeah, and one thing I do have to say, it was very interesting, the makeup effect they used. All right, when he was just running around as Mumble all day. Right. I mean, he looked, he was William Marshall. Yeah. But whenever By the way, you, uh, just to get off. Uh, uh, Ultimate Computer, yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay, yeah. Okay. I, I was wondering if you could, I, I'm like, I've seen this guy in something, and I, I'm literally like, no way, oh my God. But that voice. That voice, that exactly. That voice is amazing. Um, anyway, but whenever he's getting ready to attack anyone, they like put all this extra hair on his face and make him actually look a little more evil. Yeah. Which, you know, it's. The first time I saw this, um, it was a little off-putting, but then I started reading a little bit too much into it, saying, okay, so at this point he's more animal than man or whatever. But I I could see that that as an analogy. I mean, that, a, that, that works for me. I mean, it's a very interesting artistic way to look at it. And again, I feel it's that he's... Okay, so it's actually you're getting into Wolfman territory a little bit. Kind of. That, but, that, but again, I, I very much got the sense that unlike Dracula, who's like, yeah, I'm Dracula, I'm gonna I'm gonna bleep your your bleep up. Uh, whereas, uh, you know, I get the sense from him that I really hate that this is going to happen. But again, I have to keep moving. I have to I have to survive. Oh sure. So yeah, definitely some some pathos that. Mm-hmm. that William Marshall brings to it. I mean, I, trust me, folks. We There is no way we can possibly understate just how good he is in this film. Yeah. And we'll we'll, we'll talk we'll a little thought. bit more about that when, when we're done with the plot. Um, on close investigation of the corpse at the funeral home, Dr. Thomas notices oddities with Bobby McCoy's death that he later concludes to be consistent with vampire folklore. That's right, because as he's in the as he's in the funeral home, he wants to examine the body. Now the room that or the room that the body's laid out in yeah. looks like it's about as big as a closet. Yeah, well. But you know, okay. But you know, he goes in and he. Well, see, uh, I I kind of hand wave that because again, black exploitation were were renowned for being done on the cheap. Oh sure. So sure. I, I that really didn't even it just it it more struck me as odd than anything. It, not to me. It really okay. it, it didn't take me out of it at all. It struck me as okay, sure. I'll, I mean, I, I'll buy that. This is the only room we could afford. Yeah. <laughs> Are you kidding? Do you know what real rooms cost? 
Anyway, so Prince Mamawalde continues to kill and transform various people that he encounters as Tina begins to fall in love with him. Thomas, his colleague Lieutenant Peters, and Michelle follow the trail of murder victims and begin to believe that a vampire is responsible. <coughs> After Thomas digs up Billy's coffin, Billy's corpse <coughs> rises as a vampire and attacks Thomas, who fends him off and drives a stake through his heart. After finding a photo taken of Memowaldi and Tina in which Memowaldi is not visible, which I have never... I, I, I'm bit of an amateur student of vampire in media. I'm, oh, okay. As you know, I'm a huge Buffy fan. Right. Not so much Twilight, but I always appreciate the different takes. I have never seen uh, a take on vampires where they're not photographable. That that struck me as a nice little little okay. piece of the puzzle. Well, there's something. There's another movie I want to circle back around to toward the end of this. Okay. And actually, the photographs do come into play in that. All right. Good. Um, so they, Thomas and Peters track Mama Walde to his hideout, uh, the warehouse where Bobby McCoy and Billy Schaefer were first slain. They defeat several vampires and crush many boxes. Many boxes? <laughs> many boxes. That, so, <laughs> like the whole budget was blown out boxes. <laughs> um, but Mama Walde manages to escape. And after say, did he say something like, you don't seriously think I keep my coffin here, do you? I and I I love that line, and I love his delivery of it because it's like, really, you guys are that dumb. <laughs> uh, Mama Walde lures Tina to his new hideout at the nearby waterworks plant. Meanwhile, at the waterworks, <laughs> while Thomas and a group of police officers pursue him, Mama Walde dispatches several officers but one of them manages to shoot Tina. To save Tina from death, Mama Walde transforms her into a vampire. After Peters manages to kill the vampire Tina, Mama Walde believes he cannot live any longer after losing her twice. Mama Walde leaves for the surface where the morning sunlight rots his flesh quickly and kills him. And you know, honestly, I did not see that coming. I did, you know, it's perfectly within character. It really is. Well, and again, this is why I say, you know, t- talking about the the photographs thing, I like the fact that they didn't they didn't just stick to old cliches. Like, there aren't many vampires who commit suicide in grief. I I can't think of another example of something like that happening. Usually, it's you know, you go go back go back to you know uh, Max Schreck's Nosferatu, the silent uh, thing. You know, they they basically trick him into the sunlight, and he's he basically disappears, shaking his his fist. You know, well, sure. they they always have the the main vampire as is you know evil incarnate. And I think that's what William Marshall mm-hmm. really really brings to it is that I don't see him as as evil per se. I mean, oh no, and when he's talking to the various people during the thing, he's actually quite charming. Oh yes, um, yeah. Th- there's, uh, you know, there, there's several sequences where he's interacting with people. Like he's they're at the club, and we got to talk about the club. We will talk about the club. Um, but he's sitting down, and yeah, he's he's got a, a you know a red line cape and all that, which it, which incidentally, 
Um, I, I did you am, keep getting the twelfth doctor vibe from it? Like I no, did? no, I wasn't getting the, I wasn't getting the doctor vibe from it. But I get um, emails all the time from a company called Monsters in Motion. Okay, they're like a memorabilia sure store. It's real close to Disneyland, apparently. Oh, okay. But they had a a cape and jacket from that worn by William Marshall. Oh wow! And I think it was the sequel of. Okay. Yeah, six hundred bucks. Like, uh, kind of little, bring it down to a hundred, hundred fifty. Well, I, I might bite. But. I could see it going for uh, for six hundred bucks, but then again, looking around, what the hell would I even do with it? Have fun at Halloween. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Um, I forgot what I was gonna say. Um, no, I I love the fact that they. They really decided this has a this is a very distinctive you know Dracula slash vampire movie. This was mm-hmm. not them going through the motions and like and that, they did with Blackenstein. I have not seen that, but I have yet to find anyone that that has reviewed that thing positively. So well, exactly, I, I've heard that one's pretty bad. But this one, and you know, I remember when I first started watching this, I had gotten about two thirds of the way through. And we were texting over something else, and you would ask me, okay, my initial thoughts, and I'll stick by what I my I had initially said was that I cannot figure out if this is a black exploitation film with some vampire stuff thrown in, or is it a legit vampire film that just happens to have a black vampire have a black vampire, and my initial reaction was the first one, but. Having now, I've seen it twice because I, I watched it again. Um, you know, fresh eyes and all that. Well, and I'm, well, and folks, for him to watch it for the second time, that means it was a good movie. Yeah, because you, you know, usually I'm watching it like you know, ten minutes before we we record, finally watching it because I I tend to watch things in fits and spurts. But yeah, this thing was really well done. <coughs> Except for maybe one scene, the club scene. The club. Now, there's two things that that need to be said about this club scene. The band in question is the Hughes Corporation. Now, those of you familiar with uh, your your local oldie station that still plays stuff from the 70s and not the 80s. I thought it was Dust, Breeze, and Flame. It was what? Dust, Breeze, and Flame. Dust, Breeze, and Flame. Earth, Wind, and Fire's... Poor cousins. Oh, didn't see that coming. Damn. No, it's the uh, the Hughes Corporation, famous for their one-hit wonder, "Rock the Boat." Yep. So, but now, which that in itself is is really funny that they're actually in a movie somewhere. And the other thing that I think just it cracks me up, and uh, I I thought I was actually not paying attention at first and I, I rewound it through it several times is that there's actually two sequences being filmed there you realize because they show that they have three singers a woman and two men mm-hmm. they're singing on stage with the band behind them then they show a long shot of people out on the dance floor and the singers have mysteriously disappeared even though you can still hear them and then they go back, and so and and the stage is like the size of your desk. <laughs> you know, it's like this little. And it's not a big desk. It's but. not a big desk. No, it's actually two desks 
kind of shoved together, really, is what it is. Well, actually, it's there used to be a hutch there. Oh, okay. I got rid of the hutch, made the elbow, got the little sidebar over here. Okay. Point is, again, not, not a huge dance space to work with here. And, um, yeah, they, I'm watching this thing. And, like I said, they, they show the people dancing on the dance floor. And you see the members of the band all playing, which I, I also find it... Um, kind of entertaining. There's a few, there's a couple of white guys in in the band. You know, a gig's I, a gig, right? Hey, remember the, the uh, remember war? Oh yeah. yeah. So oh go ahead. well, Sly and the Family Stone. Go back even farther. They there they they had a couple of white guys in there, so yeah, it's all good. Well, hell, <laughs> Jimi Hendrix was the only black guy in his band. That's true. Um, but uh, yeah, you'd see the band performing. And the singers have mysteriously disappeared, and, and I'm like, so I, I'm, I'm guessing they just filmed two sequences and really badly edited them. Well, I think they, well, they had a couple sequences in the, uh, in in the club. In the club. In the club. Okay, you're. What else? No, well, there were at two points in the movie they were in the club. I oh, oh yeah, yeah. I, I thought you were. No, uh, you're sandbagging me on something. No, 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 no. no. But yeah, the, but going back to uh, what we were talking about a little bit before, when he, um, Mama Waldi is sitting down with uh, Tina and her friends, yeah, he comes across as okay. He looks a little older than them, not doesn't look ancient, and yeah, he's charming as all get out. Mm-hmm. Suave man, Rico Suave. Oh, I found your purse. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, he comes across as, you know, and it's funny because if you, if you look at through through one prism, he could possibly be construed as creepy, but he when he smiles, it just really comes across as you know, hey, how you doing? Well, yeah, we're, yeah, yeah, the, well, the 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 finger gun. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, yeah. All right. All right. Well, I know if we really put our minds to it, we could probably talk about this movie for another half an hour. Uh, probably. But yeah. we are at the point in our in our show here where I think it's time to rate this sucker. Uh, sucker, get it? Uh, <laughs> wow. It, I must be tired at that time. <laughs> um, I would I would rate this um, craptacular. Is that at our highest? I think that's it. Craptacular. Yeah. If there was a thing above craptacular, I think I'd give it to that too. Yeah, this, you've got you. You've got to see this. I was trying to think of some clever way to say, oh, let's give it six out of five Mara Cordays, but no. <laughs> oh, she's she's the new standard. Mm. Okay. Uh, see, now, if she had been in this, ah, oh, there you go. see, there you go. Threw, throwing Kumi Mizuno, and hey, that, uh, I'm all on board. Um, but, yeah, this one, this is another one, and, and you know, going back to um, another one that uh, I've, I've, since quoted to people, uh, we reviewed a while back, children shouldn't play with dead things. Oh, I remember, yeah. Well, again, this is another, a similar type of movie in that just from the, literally from the title, it sounds like it's going to be the dumbest damn movie you have ever seen. And you're sitting there like, this is really good. I I remember um, telling my wife and daughter, when we were doing Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things, and they both literally just looked at me like, what? Shouldn't what? And I said, no, no, no. 
it's actually good. It's actually really, really good movie, and they're like, you're, uh, you, you've you lost it. You've just completely lost it. So so I, I burned my daughter a copy of Blackula, and I'm going to get her a copy of Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things, and I'm going to see see what her take is. Because she, as long as it's not too graphic, she, she likes a good horror movie. Huge Vincent Price fan. Oh, okay. So... Very nice. So yeah, I've got to go. I've got to go. Craptacular myself, yeah. folks. You have to see this film. Yeah, don't don't, don't be misled. Yeah, don't by, be put off by the title. Yeah, the the title again makes it sound like this is just going to be, and that's the weird part. It's not entertaining for the camp value of it. That's that's the mistake I was making. Is that I was going to be like, oh, this is going to be a Plan Nine from Outer Space. It's going to be so bad, it's good. It does have some weak moments um, when they when they lean a little too heavily on the 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 jive ass talk, which thankfully they really don't. They right. do they do it just enough so that you know what genre you're watching. Right. But then they kind of ease right back into the storyline, and again, William Mathers or Marshall or why do I keep saying that? William Marshall just sells the crap out of this thing. You he he. I would say he's actually better at playing a regal vampire than Bela Lugosi. I, I'd have to agree. He's certainly one of my one of the best vampires I've seen. I've yes, seen I, I, again, it sounds insane, but yeah, got to go with it. Great movie. Okay, before we announce the winners of our what are we going to watch next time, uh, how about tossing that contact information out again? Uh, we can be reached at secretlayerpodcast at gmail.com. Okay, and through our rand- our randomizer device, the film that we're going to be doing next time is The Giant Claw. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. I know somebody out there has got something to say about this. So send us some feedback. Um. If you prefer, can, preferably not the ear splitting kind. <laughs> yep. And if you if you have an Alexa and can figure out how to get this damn podcast to play on it through the Podbean app, let me know because I can't do it. <laughs> so with all of that being said, this is D Dub and Stratosphere saying go watch a B movie and why? Because these movies won't watch themselves. Bye, folks. Later, kids. <laughs> Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater.